welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to an artist who is frequently described as a Qom pioneer, helping shape and usher the drum-heavy sound to the forefront of South Africa's dance music scene. Always looking to break new ground, his latest album employs a broader palette, fusing Amapiano, Afro House, and Afrotech, and slowing down a few tracks that he's seeing as a bit of a shift in the genre, calling it Qom 2.0. I am, of course, talking about Luazi Asanda Guala, better known to all of us as DJ Lag. Lag, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We were talking off air before we hit record, uh, and you were saying that you're in Derbs. Bit of a scary time to be in Derbs right now with the the flooding that's happening. But you said that you're all good. Just a little bit of mud. Yeah, yeah, we could, we could. We just had some few mud uh, at my mom's place, but it wasn't that bad, so we're fine. Okay, but that's good. But that's good. Listen, I need to say that this is a this is a bucket list interview for me because you know you've been doing the most to represent South African music culture. And I know you got stories as well, but <laughs> something that was a total surprise to me, right? I found out that before you were producing, you were a hip hop dancer, right? So this is where we need to no, start, uh, Lag. Tell me about yeah. Loazi, the hip hop dancer. Like, were you in a crew? Did you do the whole competition <laughs> thing? Tell me everything. I need to know. No, I, I wasn't uh, a hip hop dancer. Um, we were doing a uh, spansula uh, back in the days. And we used to dance with Kwaito, Kevin Kwaito music like Big Nas and DJ Tira. Ah, but I was okay. producing hip hop. Yeah. When I started producing, I started producing hip hop. Then I changed from hip hop to Kwaito, then from Kwaito to Kong. And I also read that you were actually making hip hop beats for your cousin to rap over, right? And yeah. for dance crews <laughs> as well. How how old were you when all of this was going down? I think I was fourteen or fifteen. I think I was fifteen. Yeah, I was fifteen years old. That's that's absolutely crazy. And you know, your your latest album, Meeting with the King, which we will will chat a, a bit more about just now. We'll get there. It opens with a track called. Tongolami, right? Which means my dream. And I'm curious, mm. what was the dream for 14, 15 year old Wazi growing up in Claremont, right? Um, I always wanted to be like a well-known artist because I, when I started music, I was confused what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be a producer. Um, I wanted to also do quite so. So I didn't have like a proper sound that I was doing. I was doing everything. Mm -hmm. And when I started making Nikomo, um, that's when my music started getting played around Durban and around Clermont. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, and w and one of your first tracks was called... Uh, tell me if I if I pronounce this correctly. Sorry. If I don't, you must, you must tell me how. Ito Yeezy. It's so easy. Yeah. That's uh, that's it's, a, that's it's the so track. Easy. Okay. Yeah. That's the track uh, made by Naked Boys. Um, Naked Boys. Yeah. That was the first track that I had, which was Broken Beats. 
because we were used to quieter music and quieter music was just four beats. It was straight. So it was like, cool, 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 cool. And when I heard the Naked Boys track, it was different. It was like, cool, 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 cool. And then I wanted to do something similar to that. And yeah, that's how boom. That's how I started making boom. If you ask other producers, they will also tell you the same story that they were also trying to make that so. Mm, but I mean, that track, that track became a huge banger and you uploaded it to Kasi MP3, you know, available for free download mm. and all that. But what's going through your mind during these very early days, right? Seeing your music blow up for the first time ever. Mm. Yeah, it was amazing uh, to see that because I was still young. And every time when I'm going to school, I will hear like maybe like three or four taxes playing my music before I even get to school. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I'll be in a taxi and they'll be playing my music, but you don't even know who I was. And but it was it was just great to hear my music being played around, you know. And I would just I just kept making music and like I would just finish a track in like one day and. Same day I'll upload the track on the internet and it's going to have like maybe like 20,000 downloads in one day. It was crazy. Did you ever tap anybody on the shoulder when you were in the taxi and say like, hey, 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 you know, that's the song, the song, that's my song. <laughs> I would do that every <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> I've did it once. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it before. Yeah. Because in in, 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 in Durban, we have these uh, huge, the 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 mini the mini buses and they have like huge sound system in it and every time when i'm going to town i'll, I'll always take those taxis and for sure i'll hear my track playing and sometimes i would just tell people that yeah this is my track and they don't believe me <laughs> <laughs> like this is my track turn it up man no sorry that's who are you <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> yeah oh my gosh but, you know, having your tracks blow up when you're still quite young, right? You're still a teenager. You're in high school. And randomly, this guy from Goon Club, which is a, a, a UK label, for those who don't know, right? He's hitting you up on Facebook mm. and he's saying, like, I want to release your music. And then you actually end up releasing Ice Drop in 2013. Ice Drop goes on to be a worldwide hit. But, mm. you know, being young, being an inexperienced artist, when this guy contacted you, did you jump at the opportunity? Or were you a no. little bit skeptical at first to trust <laughs> this guy? You know what I mean? Is this guy sliding yeah. into your, well, not sliding into your DMs because it's Facebook, but basically doing the same thing, just the Facebook version? <laughs> yeah, it, it took me some time to, to send the music. And I used to show my friend, uh, Kawe, um, look at this guy from the UK, he's telling me he wants to release my music. You think he's legit? Uh, maybe he's not. Nah, don't send him anything. I think it took me like a year to, to, to start sending him music. I asked him to send me money and then he did. That's when <laughs> I sent him music. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Show me the money first, and then I'll show you the truth. Yeah, and that's why I saw you serious. And then, yeah, that's when we did the, the DJ Lag EP, my first one. Mm. You know, 
We won't get into it too much because, you know, I know that you and Will I Am settled for his unauthorized ripping of Ice Drop in that Megan Wright track, right? And you guys are good. But I remember the day that shit went down on Twitter. And all I remember (laughs) thinking was, wow, you know, South Africans really showed up for lag. What was your reaction when you saw everything happening in real time? But that's also the support that you were getting from everybody. Yeah, it was crazy because I always thought that um, uh, people people from abroad are the ones who are supporting my music. And mm. when that happened, that's when I realized that okay, I have a lot of, a lot of support in South Africa, and people know who I am. And yeah, that I think that that was trending for like two or three days, and people just kept supporting me until um, I won everything, you know? Yay, shout out. Shout out South African Twitter for, for having having your back when you least expected. I really thought that that was a, it, that was a beautiful story that came out of that year. Um, but, you know, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which I think is very interesting. You just said now how, you know, you thought that majority of the support that you were getting from your music was from abroad. And, you, you know, I've seen it a lot. Hey, it's, what's that, what's that saying? Like you're, you're never a prophet in your own town. You have to sort of leave to make it. And I was speaking to, um, Tabo from, uh, Black Motion. And he was saying the same thing. He was like, you know, we had to go overseas and we had to establish ourselves there before people started to pay attention to us back in South Africa. Yeah, that's what happens to me. Yeah, I'm, I, and I was wondering if more, if you might have experienced more or less the same thing. At first I thought that was happening, and then when the William thing happened, this way I saw it, okay, I also have support this side. But before I always thought that, okay, my music is being played a lot um, abroad, and I'm gigging a lot that side, so... I thought that maybe the support was abroad in South, in South Africa. And then when the William mm-hmm. thing happened, that's when uh, I saw that, okay, I'm getting support both sides. Hmm. I want to go back to after you finish grade 12, right? And you decide you want to focus on music full time. And rapper OK Malum Cool Cat, who... Well, you know, the scene revolved a lot around him at that time. He hears your music while he's at a show in London and he tweets that he wants to meet you. Tell me about the first time the two of you met in Bramfontein. Yo. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Yo, because Okay, my cool cat was well known <laughs> at that time. It was my first time in Joburg. It was my first time on the flight. And really? Put me on hotel. Yeah. Thanks. Everything was my first time at that weekend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we were walking around Bramfontein. Everybody was just looking at him, greeting him, taking pictures. Yeah, I was like, I was also feeling like a celebrity that day. And he <laughs> took me to go get something to eat. And yeah, and then later we played a show in Kitchener's. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was my first show in Joba. Describe that feeling, right? The first everything, the first flight, walking around Brown, feeling like a celebrity, first <laughs> show, Kitchener's. I mean, it must have, you, you know, 
the only thing that I can use to describe it is like a like a kid in a candy store. Really, you know, you go in and you just want to like touch everything and t- like taste everything, and your eyes are like super wide. I can imagine because <laughs> Joburg is also Joburg is a different beast. Yeah, it is. It is different from Durban. So when I got there, like everything was just different. Even the music that was playing there was different. So when I started playing, I was the only person who was playing drum, and it was something new for them. So every when I started playing, everybody just started going crazy. Okamadum Kukets was on the mic while I was playing. People were taking videos. Yo, it was amazing. It sounds. Lit. I'm very, very sad that I wasn't there at that time. It sounds like something that, you know, you tell your grandkids about, I was at the first, okay, my little, I was at DJ Lag's first Joe Book show ever in Kitchener's. It's like one of those things. Have you ever found footage from that show? Yeah, I still have it. Uh, it's, 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 it's also on YouTube, I think. Yeah. I think I've seen it on YouTube. All right, that is that is definitely something that I'm going to go check out after this recording, 100%. But <clears throat> talk to me about, Talk to me about the progression from this point in your life, right, to your self-titled debut EP release in 2016 uh, with Goon Club. Because, you know, you basically already introduced the UK to Kormit by this point. And, you know, they go wild for the EP. But what stands out for you when you think back of this specific period in your life? Um, when that started happening, that's when I knew, okay, now I can make a living with this and I just need to focus on making more music and playing good shows. And when I started touring uh, the same year, I released uh, my EP. So I did my first tour, I think around October. And I went everywhere. Like I did like a lot of countries in Europe and I went to Asia, UK also. Mm. And the response was crazy. And 2017, uh, that was the second year where I did another tour in America. And I went to Canada also. Like every every show that I was playing was just uh, crazy. And people were just loving the music. And that's when I knew, okay, now I can be like a, a huge international artist. And I'm sure, you know, to go back to the kid in the candy store analogy, all of a sudden you're thrust into this life where you're hopping from plane to hotel room to club to different country. Yeah. I, I mean, I can only imagine that as much as this is the dream, it can mm. be ridiculously overwhelming because, you know, all of the stuff that happens off camera and off stage is the stuff that you can only know about from experience. Nobody can prepare you for that. But what was your favorite thing about this quote unquote new life, right? And what was Mm. the most maybe overwhelming part about it as well? Um, It was when I started seeing like big names and big artists uh, coming to my shows. Um, First time where I saw a, a, a big name at my show when I was in LA, uh, Kelela came to, to my show and mm. I did another show in LA. Uh, Diplo came to the show and yo, 
at that at that moment, that's when I saw okay, I'm I I, I can be like a, a big artist now. Um, this side, and that same year, that's when um I did a track with Beyonce, and went to the Grammys. Like that whole year was just amazing for me. So. On the topic of life becoming overwhelming and incredibly busy, because that's what it sounds like happened to you during this period of time, but just in general, now that you are the star that you are, I want to ask about lockdown before we get back to the music, right? Because while you're a very private person when it comes to your family, you mentioned in an interview that I read that lockdown was amazing because you got to spend time with your son, who basically, you know, didn't actually know you because you were never just in one place at one time. So what has this experience been like for you getting to slow down and lean into your role as a dad? Um, yeah, I think I needed that because um, it's been like four years um traveling up and down in South Africa. I'll spend like maybe like two weeks or just a week and leave again. And I got my son in 2017. That was like one of the times where I was really, really busy. And yeah, when my son was growing up, um, I used to be not around. And in 2020, this was like, the right time for me to spend time with him and when the lockdown started and yeah I think I just needed to be with my son and to be with my family and to also just get time to 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 sit down in the studio and make music because traveling and making music is hard sometimes doing this at the same time so yeah, 2020 was good and bad for me. Mm. So I want to bring things back home, right, to South Africa in 2018, because you, at the time, you were planning to host a show back in your hometown, and it was called something for Claremont, right? And you're telling your promoters, yeah. now we can't market this like an international show. This is for my people, you know? And you end up packing out a smallish venue called the White House to like, <laughs> 10 times the capacity to the point where other artists on the lineup who are performing with you have to push their way through the crowd, right, to get onto the stage. How did you approach marketing the event for the people around the venue? Because, I mean, it obviously worked, right? Not only are you a master producer and DJ, but you're also an incredible event planner as well. Mm. <laughs> So I planned I planned the event while I was still on tour and I used to like do videos while I was still on tour that I'm coming back and I wanna do a crazy party and we just started promoting everything while I was still on tour. And when I came back, um I was still living in Claremont at that time. So when I came back to Claremont everybody knew that I was back and I would just drive around just to see people and we did some banners and the next thing on the day, I was also not expecting that much people. And yeah, it was crazy. I think we had like maybe more than 3000 people. Oh, it, it's absolutely insane. How did it feel coming home? Right. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy because I think I left for like two months and just to see everyone uh, happy to see me. And 
like the whole of Claremont was just planning to 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 come to that party, and it was amazing. We had Moonchild on the lineup. Um, it was her first time coming to Claremont, and mm-hmm. she still talks about that party. Uh, we also had DJ Bones. We had Distraction Boys. Um, yeah, we had like a lot of grown artists on that lineup. Yeah. And now I'm doing another, I think this is going to be like the fourth, fourth something for Claremont, and we're doing it on a soccer stadium this time. So it's going to be a big one. I think we're doing it on May. Yeah, and if my memory serves me correctly, you will be the first artist to ever perform at that stadium. You're making history with something for Claremont this time around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a lot of people helping me from Claremont that I really love what I'm doing and my hometown. So, yeah, I got some support to to get the stadium and yeah, and do this event. But we're gonna do we're gonna use that stadium. It's called Sugar Day. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do that event in November. Um, when I'm coming back from my last tour. How many people can that stadium fit? Yo, I think it's, it's like, it's, yo, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> 6,500. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Oh, 6,000. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, but that's, but that's in the, that's yeah. in the state. I don't know what you're going to do to the stadium, right? I don't know where you're going to put the stage. Like maybe 6,500, that's just the stands, right? Yeah. Maybe inside you could fit more people if you're standing. I reckon you totally people, can. For sure. yeah. I mean, now now we're talking, hey? <laughs> hey, lag? Like, that's a coming home show. Yeah, and it's going to be the first... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the first event uh, happening in the soccer stadium in Claremont. So everybody's been waiting for this one. Everybody's been waiting for you, yeah. I've also been waiting for you on this podcast, so I'm very happy that this is happening. I know this is the second time I'm mentioning it, but I just wanted to reinforce it because I'm just <laughs> Thank you. I'm just stoked to be chatting to you today. But you mentioned Diplo, right? Uh, yeah. You said he came to a few of your shows. You know, he yeah. wasn't in the lineup for. He's checking you out, and then obviously he approached you and said that he yeah, wanted to shows. collaborate with you. But what do you think? I want to know, right? Because you're a clever man. I've been, I've been, I've got my eye on you. You're a clever mm. man. What do you think it is about South Africa's diverse melting pot of dance genres that speaks to the interna- international market, right? On such a deep level. Like, why are people so obsessed with, with, with our sound? Yeah, I always ask myself that question. I think we're just good. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> 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 Yeah. yeah, like like our artists live it. We live it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and that think, can't be replicated. Yeah. Because we, we don't we don't copy any any genres from anywhere. We just create our own music and everybody just loves it. Mm. You know, one of my my writers at Text in the City interviewed uh, David and Bubelele from Noble, who, like you, also worked with Beyonce. You think I didn't hear you when you said Beyonce? I was like, yeah, I heard you were coming back to that. I'm going to ask you all about that. 
and Noble had their song featured on the Lion King soundtrack, Like You, and they they mentioned that they were commissioned to work on the song, but they had no idea that it was for Beyonce until after the release, which I found very interesting. What was your experience working with with her? I mean, she used your song drumming for her song My Power on that same soundtrack. Yeah, I knew I knew about this. I think in twenty eighteen when she came down for Global Citizen. Um, she she used one of my tracks, Trip to New York, on a performance on the day, and uh, this when. Uh, the video started trending and I started getting tags from Twitter and Instagram and when I checked this was Beyonce I didn't I didn't even know uh, she 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 knew or she was listening to my music and next day one of the guys who works with him just gives me a call and he tells me that he's coming to Devon and he wants to meet me Beyonce wants some beats and he came we met and I gave him some beats they chose two beats and they only used one, which was drumming. And maybe they could still gonna use the other one. I don't know. Beyonce wants yeah, some beats. Started. And I wasn't allowed to talk about it. I think for seven months, I think, until the track got released. What goes through your mind when somebody hits you up and says, Beyonce wants some beats? Hey, Lag? <laughs> I would be like, what? <laughs> I, be- I believed him because I saw the videos last night. So I knew him for sure. Oh my God. Of course you knew. You're like, yeah, Beyonce <laughs> knows me. She knows I'm good. Obviously she wants some beats. <laughs> <laughs> she's she, no, not even one. She wants two. The one she used, the other one she's still sitting on. So she might use it for something else. <laughs> I... Yeah, eh? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I did. Uh, who knew? Who knew? You know, and, and all of this, all of your achievements, everything that you've done, it feeds into the album title of your latest release, Meeting with the King, right? I feel like it's very apt. It's a very apt title. And <laughs> 15 tracks features all the big names. You've got Amanda Black, you've got Lady Do, you've got Babes. The list is lit. But... Like I said in my intro, you know, mm. you also explore various styles. Like there's this dark uh, and deep and then the lighter tones and the more like synth piano inspired vibes. But how did you manage to nail so many of the different styles but still stay true to that old school style of gom that you make so well that has made you, I mean, the mm. king, you know what I mean? Yeah, um... Yeah, I've been trying to experiment on new sounds all the time. Like even before, before I started making com, I was always creating uh, hip hop. Sometimes tribal house, sometimes quiet door. Like I always try everything. And when I started making com, it's something that stuck with me. And like every time when I'm trying to do those other sounds, I also want to add some com in it. So that's what I did with the album. You can hear that there's some tracks that sounds like I'm a piano, but it also it's it's a it's a contract. And I was able to work with Amanda Black and Amanda Black. She's doing um, Afro pop, and but I sent her Afro tech beat, and she recorded and she sent back uh, the track, 
and I was able to change the beats uh, into a contract when she was done recording. The last track on Meeting with the King is called DJ Lag, and it features Babes and Mampicha. Mm. And I read that at the Claremont gig, they came up with this DJ Lag chant that went on for like 45 minutes of the set between them and the audience. <laughs> yeah. Why the decision to turn yeah, this big poignant with. moment into a track to end off that album? Um, you know, because the video trended of that performance when I was playing and Babes, Babes and Mampincha was on stage. They were kids. They kept saying um, DJ Lag, and the crowd also responded. And when the video trended, people started asking if I'm gonna do a track. And yeah, we decided we're gonna do the track. We we, we I went to Babes's place and we did like four tracks. And there's some tracks that are not released yet. And yeah, the DJ Lag track was like the first one that you wanted to record because everybody wanted us to do it. Mm, I really and yeah, I, I just, I just, I, I just made it like the last track of the album because I just wanted, I want people to know, yeah, who, who, whose album is this, and you just keep the name on your head even if we were done listening to the album. I thought it was such a great way to end off the album, really, and I, I love the story behind that track, as well. I think it's awesome, <laughs> but what. What's that? I think the focal point, the focal point around meeting with the king, well, one of the focal points at least, has been the fact that you slowed down your BPM, right, on a few of the tracks. People have been talking about this a lot. Like the word pioneer is thrown around a lot in reference to you when it comes to Kom. So now you're messing with the genre, (laughs) quote unquote, messing with the genre that you, (laughs) you know, helped invent. So why the decision to take it down and make it slow? Because you took it down, what, like, I think it was like 10, 10, 10 BPMs, maybe 10, 15? Yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah, it was 127. Now I'm moving like 123 and 124. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I turned it down because um, with what's happening now with the piano, there's like, new dance moves who are, which are slower for my piano and sometimes it's hard to do those dance moves on a bomb track mm-hmm. and with the style that I'm doing now you can you can be able to do both you know and you can also do you can also fuse my piano and come um with 123 or 120. Also wanted to be to make it easy for my piano arts to do more collaborations with uh, my piano artists, and I was able to do that to uh, Jazik and um, Lady Do, and I'm also working on something with Vicro Dip. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So before we go. Um, because I mean, I could, I could keep you here all afternoon. We could talk about everything. Um, what, what <laughs> are, you know, you, you spoke about Vicro Deep, but what are some of the other things that you're working on? Like, what can we expect from you for the rest of the year and then beyond? Cause I know you're always working on like 101 different things. 
Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm working on my uh, deluxe album for for meeting with the king. It's gonna be five tracks. Um. I'm planning to release it late this year. I think around October or November. Um. And uh, there's a I have two tours that I'm gonna do. Um. The first one is Europe and UK. I'm gonna be leaving. Um. On the twenty eighth this month. And the next one is in June. And also I'm doing two something for Clemens this year. Uh, one is going to be on the 28th of May and the second one is going to be around December. Two something for Clemens. We are spoiled. But tell me, yeah. we've got a large listenership <laughs> of this podcast overseas. The main question is, are there still tickets available for your tours that you're doing? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. They're still available. Um, you can check um, on my socials if you wanna buy tickets. I'm gonna do a post uh, for all the shows that I'm gonna be playing. Amazing, amazing. I I cannot wait to catch one of your shows very soon. I uh, am still sort of keeping to myself, even though, you know, things are opening up and we're getting back to normal and stuff like that. But I, you know, I'm still a little bit paranoid. So hopefully I'll get over that and, and she, get she you in one of your shows. Oh, she comes to my, oh my gosh, I would love to. Okay, I'm taking this as your official invitation to me to come to something for Claremont. Um, and this is my word to you that I will be there. I cannot wait. Oh, yeah.
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. A huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store for always having our backs technically. Remember to follow Text Talks on all socials and subscribe and rate on whatever platforms you stream your podcasts on. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's Tex with a double X. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and research and associate producer Al Clapper. Catch you on the flip side.